0: We look at some more prospect head-to-heads, but before, what is going on in SKA with uh, Matt Mishkov and Ivan Demidov? All that coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects.
1: You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you, five days a week, Monday to Friday. During the summertime, though, it's three times a week. I'm Hattie Kalikesh, joined by Sebastian High, We're uh, co-hosts here over at Locked On NHL Prospects, and we got a loaded episode for you today. We're going to start off by discussing kind of what's going on in SKA right now. We've got Matthew Mishkov who's scratched, Ivan Demidov playing as a 13 forward. How that plays into their, uh, into their um, kind of progression and and how um, how pressing it is for them to get out of SK as soon as possible. And then we've got two head to heads for you today. We're first going to be looking at um, Luke Hughes and Owen Zellweger. And then in our third and final segment, we'll look at the big one. Uh, we've got Simon Yemitz and David Juracek going head to head. We're going to be comparing the two, how they project, what we can expect from them this season. So make sure to tune in for the whole thing. Uh, before I get into it, I just want to uh, let you know our, our sponsor for today's episode is Bird Dogs. So Bird dogs is a, a great provider of very comfortable khakis they've got great um, accessories hats uh, water bottles all that good stuff so go to birddogs.com locked on nhl or enter promo code locked on nhl at checkout For a free water bottle with any order, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Uh before we get into the episode itself, just remember to like and subscribe if you like what you're watching. Uh, leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about. If you have any questions, uh, like we said in the last episode, we review all our questions and select the good ones and keep them for the episode. So make sure to leave us a comment. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So let's start off with um, a bit of a weird one. I, I don't understand why Russian teams just are so hesitant to be playing their young players. Um, we've got Matt Mishkov right now in SKA uh, in the KHL, who's a healthy scratch. Ivan Demidov is playing as a 13th forward, averaging about three minutes a night. You know, it's, it's so difficult to look at these situations and then be willing to run to the stage as an NHL scout to, to draft a, a really good Russian like Mishkov, like Demidov that definitely affects their projections. I mean, is this a willing, full, and intentional thing from Russian teams, knowing that they're going to have a better shot of retaining their talent if they don't draft them right away? Or What's your take on this?
1: I don't know what the answer to that question is. I think everyone's been racking their brains to answer it. Uh, on the on the plot side, Ivan Demidov is up to playing third-line minutes today, so mm-hmm. progress, I guess. Like, the top nine minutes is something. But Mishkov is still, is still scratched today uh, for SKA. And uh, yeah, I think that both of those players are of the caliber to be highly impactful KHLers as of right now. And yep. Mishkov proved that last year. And Midov, uh is proving it at every level he's been allowed to show it at so far. And yep. uh, yeah, I think I think that there's like a, a, a hyper focus on... Uh, trust and trust being earned uh, and that young players need to earn trust in order to earn opportunities, that all of these things are things that have to be worked on and shown and proven repeatedly in order to gain yep. that trust. And on the one hand, you can understand coaches wanting to obviously trust their players. Like Like this is a competitive league. The KHL is a league w- where teams want desperately to win. On the other hand, uh, these are both players that, at least in my view, and in the view of a lot of scouts and fans alike, that both the Midov and Michkov are players of the caliber that could make massive differences in SK's lineup. Like, very few players can match the raw skill of of these two guys, and SKA is a team that, ha- that currently has Alex Galchenyuk playing, t- they're uh, playing at 1C, and... As much as, as I've enjoyed watching Galchenyuk play in the NHL and various teams and various situations, and uh, I remember his 30-goal season with the Habs quite fondly. I was there when he scored his 30th goal that year. Yeah. Uh, but Mitchkov is a player of tremendous skill who can outshine Galchenyuk in, in many ways in terms of skill and offensive capabilities and dynamism and creativity already. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think that it is a... A curious phenomenon, uh, and that it is not helping these players develop. And of course, I can understand why teams are hesitant to, to to spend big draft picks on players like these, where they don't have much control over their development. Yep. And at the same time, if I'm taking a bet on a player with chaotic development. It's probably going to be matt may Mitchkov of all guys right like yeah. like yes there's a lot of uncertainty with this development all of this stress about playing time and things are things that we knew was going to happen right and mm-hmm. is why he fell in the draft right like this has been known for quite a while yeah at the same time he's going to get playing minutes somehow at some point whether he's getting loaned out again or what if his contract gets dissolved early or who knows? he's going to have to get minutes in some way, shape or form. Yeah, And uh, it's frustrating how it's currently going. But if I'm a Flyers fan, like, yes, it's annoying. It's, it sucks, but I wouldn't be too concerned on it drastically affecting Mitch Koff's projection, at least as of right now. Right. Like mm-hmm. we are, we are just starting the season, right? Like yeah. there, it's going to be a long year and it's going to be another two full years, likely mm-hmm. until Mitch Koff comes over. So so a lot to fall into place with his development, uh, but yeah, how about you? What's your take on this entire situation? Because it's so
0: strange. It is very strange, but the thing is, the main concern I have is how it affects the player's playing style on the ice. Um, we saw it a lot with Mishkov in this draft year. His play with SKA just screamed urgency and impatience and... Just everything he did, he was trying things that just no regular prospect who knows that they're going to be back on the ice in two, three minutes tops would ever try, you know, shots from the corner on every shift and that kind of stuff. Once he moved to Sochi and had that guarantee that, you know, he knew he's he was going to be back on the ice in a couple of minutes because his team knew he was the best player on their team. You saw much more comfortable, much more confident, much more poise um, and and more intelligent Matt Vemishkov on the ice. We knew he had the capabilities. We knew he had the ho- the hockey sense, but he couldn't showcase it because he was trying to just put together a highlight reel with like three minutes a night playing as a 13th board, which is an insanely difficult thing to do. And you essentially have to rush every play. You have to shoot everything on net. You have to just try to create every, every shift. And it led to things like him just skating through checks with his head down and, you know, making life difficult for himself with the puck. But you know, if this continues, I, I don't I'd be very surprised if Mitch and his agent are in any way, shape or form interested in staying with SKA because they could have another situation like he had in, in Sochi if he's loaned out. I mean, he, he could be loaned out to a better team in a better division and have the same results that he had in Sochi. He's that good. Um, so I'm just really curious to see first what we see for Mitch in terms of what he does on the ice um, in, in SKA. And if we see that same urgency and impatience, I don't think it's going to be long before he's loaned out again because SKA has no interest in having a player on their team um, and and on their on their ice, you know, for even three four minutes a night. Who's going to be doing what he did in, in SKA last year? It was really conductive to bad results. And at the same time, it's in the best interest of Mishkov to get minutes in a in a in an organization that trusts him and knows what he's about. Um, which, you know, is, is very confusing as to why SK doesn't do that because he's proved it at every single other level than the KHL for them. He, he was one of the best players in the MHL as a 15-year-old. He was one of the best players in the VHL as a 16-, 17-year-old. I mean, this is nothing new. Matvey Mishkov is a known and proven elite talent. It's just very confusing. And now Ivan Demidov is kind of in the same boat where he might get a couple games here and there as a, as a third-liner, could play as a 13 forward most nights, average maybe six, seven, eight minutes a night um, over the whole season. How does that affect his projection? How does that affect his confidence on the ice, his abilities, and especially what we see from him on a nightly basis? I'm quite concerned because Ivan Dumidov has. The talent, for sure, to rival with Macklin Celebrini as a first overall pick. It's just if Celebrini's playing twenty minutes a night in 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 the NCAA uh, and averaging like a averaging like a, a point and a half per game. Meanwhile, Ivan Domidov's playing six, seven, eight minutes a night and averaging point two, point three points a game. Because of that, I mean, they're in two completely different boats with two completely different approaches to their development. So it's just that could affect the Midov stock, and we could see another situation like Mishkov's where a very, very good player who can rival with the top two, the top three, ends up, you know, outside of the top five. Um, So I'm curious to see how that goes down, but for me, it's just, you know, I don't want a repeat of Mishkov, and I think that the Midov and his agent should be scrambling to the GMs to find him another spot to play in as on alone, because that worked wonders for Mishkov's projection. I feel like if it wasn't for a stint in Sochi, Mishkov would have been easily, a, a, a like, you know, bottom of the first round player, um, given what teams saw from him in the KHL with with uh, SKA, I feel like it wouldn't be a question at all. He probably would have slipped outside the top 20. So yeah, I just don't want that happening to Dimitrov, right? I mean, they're two fantastic players, but we'll see how that goes down. Um, that's it for our discussion about that. We'll keep a close eye on both of them and see how their ice time improves just to see how that works out. Uh, but we'll be heading into our two segments of head to heads. We'll start with Luke Hughes and Owen Zellweger. But before we get into it, Sebastian, talk me through today's sponsor.
1: Bird dogs make you look good. They make stretchy khaki pants and shorts that are designed to fit you slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. And the biggest bonus is that they're super comfortable. They're made with this proprietary cloud knit fabric that ensures that all of the sweat is whipped away from your body to keep you cool and dry all day long. They fit kind of similarly to Lululemon shorts, uh, but they're a little bit more comfortable and more flexible to give you a bigger range of motion. So go to birddogs.com slash locked NHL or enter promo code locked on NHL at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you.
0: All right. So moving on to our head to head segments, Uh, we're going to be talking first and foremost about Luke Hughes versus Olden Zellweger. Both are likely going to see some decent minutes at the NHL level this year. Uh, We're looking at guys who could, who could very easily and very comfortably quarterback a power play. Um, we're looking to see which would, which player would produce more points, but also which player would be more impactful. Um, and it's honestly fairly close. Uh, I'm, I'm, it'll be splitting hairs on our side, kind of breaking these two guys down. Um, Luke Hughes obviously was a much higher draft pick. It uh, was a top five draft pick in his draft year um, when he was drafted by the New Jersey Devils. A lot of people were concerned that this was kind of a PR move because his brother was on the team and all that stuff. But for me, Luke Hughes in my rankings that year was the second overall pick um, right behind William Eklund, who I'm still a big fan of and still believe in um, very fondly. But for me, Luke Hughes was the best defenseman of his draft here. Um, I wasn't as high on Owen power as the private sphere was. I feel like a lot of NHL scouts were salivating at the combination of size and mobility and, and on puck skill that power had and, that ended up really working out well in their in their favor. Owen Power's a fantastic prospect, but for me, Luke Hughes still has the more offensive upside and has the the more it factor of the two. I feel like Owen Power is always gonna be kind of a step behind Rasmus Dalin in terms of the impactfulness of his game overall. But Luke Hughes has a chance to become the cornerstone of that defensive core for um for New Jersey, at least offensively. Um, he's, his defense has improved slightly. But for me, Luke Hughes looks like it, one of the guys who you could say has the potential to be a point-per-game defenseman at the NHL level if he ends up seeing that top power play. Because um, right now, it's it's Dougie Hamilton's to lose, right? For sure.
1: Yeah, like I, I, think th- I think that Luke Hughes is just a special offensive talent, too. I think point of game is maybe a little bit rich for my blood, but you've always been a really big fan of Hughes, and mm-hmm. I respect you sticking to your guns on that one. But... Yeah. Olin Zellweger for me is another player who similarly to Hughes is a tremendously mobile. Like he's an elite skater. He is a great puck mover. He is a, a true like, um, like transition tra- tra- transition quarterback. Like he, he finds solutions very, very effectively, always uses his mobility and his intelligence to create openings and create holes and to, uh, e- e- and even to recognize when he has to uh, like circle back and when his mobility can't solve a particular problem, he's very, very cerebral with how he approaches problem solving, which yep. is something I really love in defensemen. And while I do think that Luke Hughes is going to get more opportunities than Zellweger this season and will likely feature higher in terms of caller voting and in terms of point production as a result. Mm-hmm. I think that both of these players are going to project as reasonably comparable value defensemen. Like Both of these players have the upside to be number one puck movers who quarterback a first power play extremely efficiently. I think that Zellweger is a bit more cerebral defensively than Hughes is, but he has... Uh, like he's, he's not as physically capable as, as Luke Hughes is, so less you have a bit well. of a yeah. less reach, uh, but I think his gap management's a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And I think that his timing in terms of stick, um, well, overall, like his timing in terms of, of closing gaps and, and initiating that first defensive contact is just a lot stronger with Zellweger and his stick yeah. work is more consistent. Uh, but Hughes, I think, has a bit more runway in terms of improving with his toolkit defensively, whereas Mm -hmm. Zellweger, I think, is already getting a bit closer to where he's going to cap out in terms of defensive effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, both these players are really fun to watch, extremely electrifying, and uh, I really hope that both get extended NHL stints this season to really show what they're able to do in top four Mm -hmm. minutes.
0: Absolutely. The the other caveat I'd add to that is that Luke Hughes is in a situation where he could very well see playoff time. And in the playoffs, if you're effective, coaches make adaptations. And you know, if if Luke Hughes continues to be the the high-end power play quarterback that he was in Michigan with the New Jersey Devils this year, it's not necessarily out of the question that we see him quarterbacking the first power play in the playoffs for the Devils, which is just – it's absurd to say about a player who hasn't really played that many NHL minutes yet, um, but having watched him last year in the playoffs, he just – looks so ready for that role offensively. It's just like you said, the defensive game is very hit or miss with Luke Hughes and always has been. It's never been something that he's necessarily been particularly strong at. It's mainly because he's a very composed, very poised player, but to a fault where sometimes he won't recognize the urgency of the situation, the urgency of needing to dump a puck. He, he tries to make every play a connected play. He makes He tries to make every play a controlled play. Um, by passing to a teammate, by, you know, stick handling around a player. And sometimes there's the urgency that, you know, you need to throw that puck up the boards. Like you've got three guys closing down on you, especially in the NHL, with the lack of time you have, that's one thing Luke Hughes will need to adapt to. But if he does, watch out. At the same time, like I said, Zellweger is better defensively as we speak. Um, I feel like Luke Hughes, if he starts to learn that level of urgency that he needs to develop in this game, he has the physical tools, he has the reach, he has the skating ability as well to recognize gaps and close them, I, I feel, quicker than Zellweger would right now. Um, so it's just, it's a matter of how you develop Hughes and what you kind of add to his game as he progresses, because this guy's the limit for you with Luke Hughes, and I still stand by... Uh, the The idea of him being a point per game uh, NHL power, power play quarterback because the skill set is absolutely there. I feel like he's got more offensive skill than Luke Hughes uh, than, than Quinn Hughes. Even though Quinn Hughes is a lot more um, fluid and mobile and a lot more mature in terms of his overall game, it's more polished, it's more developed. I feel like Luke Hughes' raw skill um, could end up outshining Quinn Hughes long term, and Quinn Hughes agrees on that. He called Luke Hughes a better defenseman. Uh, so we'll see how that goes out and how that plays out, but. Um, I feel especially having Jack Hughes on his team could very well help him out in terms of finding someone on the power play who can get him secondary assists or, or you know, get him primary assists as well because Lucas is a decent shooter as well. It'll be interesting to see how those two develop, but Owen Zelliger's situation for me is a bit more um, unclear. Than Hughes Hughes has a clear pathway to becoming the top defenseman on um, on the New Jersey Devils, with Dougie Hamilton's aging. There isn't really much else outside of Seamus Casey, maybe, who could rival with that position, but Casey's a righty and Luke Hughes is a lefty, so Simon Nemitz is probably another Hughes. guy that Nimitz. fits that guy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, and that's who we're going to be talking about in the next segment, uh, but Nemitz yeah. for me is just again, he's another righty who could very well be a fantastic complement to Luke Hughes on the top pair, um, but for me it's just, Nemitz, I don't feel would be a a, a true top pair quarterback especially in a in a one defenseman formation you know maybe we see a a reverse to the two defenseman power plays but I'd be very surprised the the one three ones are working really well on the power play right now so I'm quite confident in the fact that Luke Hughes has a very very clear pathway to the top pair in the next year or two um, if he continues to show what he's shown in Michigan whereas Zellweger has you know He has some decent competition in terms of you've got Jamie Drysdale, you've got a bunch of other defenseman prospects that they've added, Pavel Minchikov, um, and a bunch of other prospects like that who have that power play quarterback ability. Um, And on top of that, most of them are lefties. So it's it's about where he ends up playing in the lineup. I feel like Zelweger is the most offensively polished of all of them, Um, probably has the most upside as well. But you look at a guy like Pavel Minchikov, do you feel comfortable having a pairing of Zelweger and Minchikov? Because for me, that's just too much chaos for any NHL defense pair.
1: It would be fun. I would adore yeah. it. Would is I the, do it as a coach? Probably not. Would I do it yeah. as a fan or a scout? 100%. I would love Absolutely. to see it.
0: Absolutely. So that's the thing, is that I feel like if you want your coach to keep his hair, you don't do that, right? I mean, it's just not a thing that would be good yeah. for, for the scalp <laughs> of any NHL coach. But yeah, no, it's just, I, I can see the idea of Zellwerger becoming that top pair defenseman, but it's a bit less clear, especially on a team that's nowhere near contending right now. Um, they'll yeah. need a good three, maybe four years before they're a proper top-end contender. They have all the prospect pieces That's they ranked really highly in our prospect pool rankings, and it's just a matter of time before those prospects graduate and they start dropping down the prospect pool because of how good their, 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 their NHL core is looking. But as we speak right now, we're looking at a very young core of players who need some time to adapt and develop and work around each other and develop chemistry. So I feel like Hughes's position is a tiny bit more concrete and clear on a contender uh, whereas Zellweger's position is already unclear. And on top of that, it's, we're talking about a non-contending team. So we'll see how that goes. But like I said, it's still splitting hairs. I'm leaning Luke Hughes because I've always been a huge fan of his and his position is clear. But Zellweger is very, very good. And uh, Ducks fans should be very excited about this defenseman. Uh, but now we're going to be moving on to another Devils defenseman, and uh, Simon Yemes, coming up against, for me, one of the best defensemen in the NHL in terms of prospects in uh, David Yeracek. We'll get right into it. Coming up on this episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. All right, so moving on to our final segment, we're going to be looking at uh, a big debate that really started early last year in, in last year's draft. Uh, Simon Yemets versus David Juracek. This has been a raging discussion for the better half of a year, the, the better part of a year and a half. For now, uh, I mean, we're looking at two players with different skill sets, but similar upsides, in my opinion. Um, and it's just about what you prefer between the tools and the toolkit for me. Um, David Yurchek is one of the most raw and toolsy players I've ever seen come out of an NHL draft. I mean, he's just, he's big, he's strong, he's, he's skating solid, even though it's a bit wonky and off in terms of the stride itself. The output is really good because of his leg strength. On top of that, he's got a booming shot, great passing, good vision, um, great stick handling as well. His defensive game is polished. I mean, there's so, so much to love about the Columbus Blue Jackets right-handed defense prospect. And at the same time, you have David, Simon Yemets on the other side of the spectrum who, for me, doesn't have the raw tools of David Yeracek by any means, but the mental game for him is so locked down. He plays such a mature game at such a young age. He's not raw. I, I wouldn't describe Simon Yemets as raw. Um, he's one of the most fluid skaters um, among defensemen, right? I mean, I mean, you're looking at a guy whose skating, tr- skating stride is effortless. There's no wonkiness to it like you see with check and on top of that he reads plays just so extremely well um, I know you prefer check by a decent margin yeah. I feel like there's more of a debate what, what's the cutoff for, sure. for you what's what's the what's the difference between the two you, for you mainly that makes check such a more solid and projectable prospect in your mind
1: well, I'm going to preface it with I really really like Simon Yemet. I think he's an awesome prospect and I've always enjoyed watching him and scouting him play yeah uh, That said, I don't think that he's a player that I would have taken a shot on at second overall, even top five or top seven. Uh, I think you made some excellent points. This is a very intelligent defenseman. Simon Yemets is a very capable breakout artist. He knows, uh, understands pressure very, very well, knows how to diffuse it. Always has a mental map of the ice of all of his options as outlets uh, when he faces pressure. Mm -hmm. Awesome things to have. Uh, he also has a great shot, very heavy shot. Uh, he's a good distributor in the offensive zone, but he's more of that distributor rather than a creator or a playmaker, right? I think play goes through him, and he's a, he, 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 he complements players around him very, very well. He <laughs> He's a line elevator. Like he, he makes people around him better, which is amazing. <laughs> that said, I don't think that he has the game-breaking ability that David Yeracek has. David Yeracek, at his best, is... A tremendous two-way defenseman who will uh, hit you very, very hard in the defensive zone. You can clear the net front very effectively. Is very cerebral in his timing of closing down gaps uh, when he's on. There are some games where he just hasn't clicked in and it it just isn't at the same caliber, which Mm -hmm. is, as you were saying, David Yerchek is a lot lot more raw than Yemets is. That said the highs are so much higher with year check right like i think that the defensive game is as a whole weaker than yemitz's but i think that he has all the tools and runway to not just match yemitz defensively but maybe even surpass him and <laughs> i think in transition he is more dynamic in the options he chooses like yemitz has a mental map of the ice of all of his options which also means that he often uses the simple options, right? Of like it's the sensible, rational option to take, to diffuse pressure, slowly build up. David Juracek, yes, he does use those simple outlets quite regularly, but he's always looking to make the big play, to to find a play that, that makes a big difference. And he has been consistently learning to look for those plays rather than just shooting for the stars and making one and hoping it works. He's been a yeah. lot more cerebral with, with how he chooses to to take those risks in the last year or so in the AHL. Mm-hmm. And I think offensively, he's a lot more dynamic than Yemets is. I think that Juracek projects as a top-pairing uh, power play quarterback, whereas mm-hmm. I think... Nemets could be a second power play like distributor and facilitator wh- where you can slot him in there just fine and get the job done very, very competently. Whereas mm-hmm. I think your is going to elevate the first power play, which is for me a completely different thing. And mm-hmm. I think your is going to put up quite a few more points than Nemets uh, uh, will, depending on the situation like it, I think, especially in terms of primary point output, I think that Yeracek yeah. is going to be a lot higher than, Nimit, than Nimitz. For sure. And as a whole, I think, look, I'm, I'm always the type of scout that I like taking risks on players that I believe in and that I think uh, can really, really hit hard in terms of pure upside. And <laughs> year check is just that. And one of my, my bigger regrets of my 2022 rankings was having him down at like sixth overall like, I'd have him at second in a redraft already. Like, it'd be Cooley, year check right? probably one, two, three, same mm-hmm. tier, but I'd probably have year check at two. And mm-hmm. I'm a really huge fan of him. And in a redraft, I'd probably have Niemets closer to, like, that seven to 12 range. And he'd probably fall behind guys like Minty, Cobb, and Hudson for me, too.
0: I'd say, for me, what really... I mean, if, if you look at the two, it's kind of a spectrum, right? You've got composure on one side and aggression yeah. on the other. And I feel sure. like both would benefit from hitting that middle point. Like there, there's yes. there's a, a runway for NMS to add some aggression to his game to become more of that um, that that pace pushing defenseman because he's got the skating ability and he's got the vision and creativity and and raw ability in order to connect on on those high danger plays um, and, and make them regularly. But like you said, NMS is a very calm and very um, very safe player. You know, there's not much risk involved in his game. Juracek is the complete opposite, where a lot of his plays are very risky, but he yeah. makes them work because of how talented he is. It's just if Nemes can identify that he has the level of quality of, of, of you know, playmaking and scoring ability that uh, a David Juracek has, it would drastically improve his game. I feel like you can work on a player's confidence and make him more confident by giving him the right environment. Your check it's it's I feel like it's gonna be a bit tougher to reel him in and show him that that side of the game that's more poised and composed and calm. Because for me, you look at a guy who's played like this his entire life and you're now telling him calm down, it's like it's gonna be a bit more difficult for me than to to show him, It's like, hey, you can do this at the AHL, you can do it, you can do this in, in Slovakia, you can do this at the World Juniors, like you can do this at the NHL level um i feel like the 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 discussion is a bit close i still i still lean your i mean i still lo- love your check yeah. what he brings to the game and i i feel like like you said between the two i'd trust your more on a top power play but i'd also trust nemes more on the top penalty kill that's how oh, I see. oh it. without a doubt yeah exactly sure. <laughs> even though Nemis right now as he stands isn't as refined defensively as other prospects I still feel like he has the intelligence, the smarts, the composure, the, um, the, the, the understanding of opposing structures, the two or three steps ahead type of thinking that other prospects lack. He has that and can impor- incorporate that slowly into a penalty-killing game that could be one of the best in the NHL, whereas Zirichek will always be risky. I feel like that's just something you have to live with. A bit of the same as Minchikov or Denton Matejchuk or um, yeah. Owen Zellweger or Luke Hughes. They'll always have that risk to them, even though they're different profiles of players. I feel like Juracek is a, a lot more physical and a lot more aggressive defensively than a guy like Hughes, than a guy like Zellweger, than a guy like, you know. Those guys are more of the offensive defenseman type. And yes, Juracek can play that role, but I see him more as a an aggressive on both ways, like a, an aggressive two-way f- defenseman in the purest form of you know, he's going to score you a lot of points. He's going to be aggressive defensively. But once you hit the defensive zone, he might run himself into trouble by just chasing after a check or that kind of thing. And I feel like that's, that's something that's just a, a growing pain with, with your check. I, I think that even at 30, 32, 33, that could still be a concern with him. Whereas with the mm-hmm. I have no concern that at 30, 32, 33, he's, old, he's holding down the fort defensively like no one else in the NHL. Like that's how I see them. And it's just a matter of what you value and what, what brings you the most joy um, it's obviously going to be a year check in terms of the just pure fun factor, but oh, yeah, for sure. what what could potentially win you a cup? I feel like both are pretty tied in that element, and that's why we have them head-to-head, is because yeah. there's a very good discussion to have about these two, and it's a philosophical difference, almost, it in is. terms of what, what you like in terms of defensemen, right?
1: For sure. Like, I, I couldn't agree more. Like I think uh, in terms of valuing year check and Yemets and comparing them, mm-hmm. I think most scouts have pretty similar reads on the two. It's all yep. about how you view those reads and how you weigh those evaluations and and those different skill sets, because yep. they're very, very different players on the ice and they have very different toolkits and capabilities and uh, overall projections as defensemen, even though both are going to be top four right shot defensemen, they're going to be fulfilling very, very different roles and mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you hit the nail on the head there with it being really a philosophical debate rather than like a scouting and evaluative debate at at Mm -hmm. its core.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but thanks so much for tuning in for today's episode. That'll be it for today's show. Uh, if you like what you've been watching, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment, like we said at the start of the episode. We read all our comments and leave the best for the episodes when you have some good questions. They always feature in our show. And if you've been watching, if you've been listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. They've got all your updates about the sporting world and what's going on around sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue with some head-to-heads and talk about some other things. This 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 has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.